0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, September 12, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. The risk posed by al-Qaeda was never military, it was never existential, and in comparison to other risks, isn't particularly large. It's not that we shouldn't worry about terrorism, but it should be rationally related to the risk it poses. Gene Healy, Vice President at the Cato Institute, comments.
1: Well, lately, it seems like there's not a lot of good news out there. So it's terrific news to be able to say that uh, after September 11th, 2001, we've gone 10 years without a major follow-up attack. And people talk about the lessons of September 11th. And maybe one lesson that we can learn after 10 years is to stop talking about al-Qaeda as a quote-unquote existential threat to America. But some people seem pretty resistant to that lesson and pretty determined to keep talking about al-Qaeda as if it's an an, an invincible force. Uh, in Wednesday's Republican debate, for example, Newt Gingrich, uh, in response to a question about uh, abolishing the Department of Homeland Security, uh, he helpfully pointed out that there are people out there who want to kill us. and. So therefore, we need the ability to, quote, respond to massive events that could kill hundreds of thousands of Americans in one morning. Is there any evidence at all, I think we should ask, that that's the level of threat we're facing from al-Qaeda?
0: Obviously, al-Qaeda doesn't represent a military threat. And so the uh, a lot of the military spending that we've engaged in over the years would seem Wasteful, and I think a lot of libertarians would agree on that. But to the extent that terrorism does pose some threat to Americans, what's what's the size of that threat?
1: Well, Cato adjunct scholar John Mueller has looked at it in a comparative risk perspective, and he's calculated the risk that as that the likelihood that a resident of the United States will perish at the hands of a terrorist is roughly one in 3.5 million a year. Uh, that's a lower risk than you take getting into your car. It's a lower risk than you take flying on an airplane. It's a lower risk than your risk of drowning in your bathtub, in, in fact. Um, now, that's not to, to minimize it. Uh, some people don't find those sorts of risk, risk comparisons compelling. Uh, but if you look at it overall, Islamic terrorism in the United States since 9-11 uh, has accounted for about three dozen deaths, and every one of those deaths is a crime and a tragedy. Uh, however, more than twice as many have died since 9-11 in what the FBI classes as hate, classifies as hate crimes, and in a typical year, more Americans die in random shootings, but When a Columbine happens, when a Virginia Tech happens, most of us rightly resist the idea that we need to alter our Constitution or restrict our civil liberties
0: in order to protect ourselves. In the 10 years that we've had since uh, September 11th, a lot of people would argue that we've engaged in these measures, be it uh, war in Afghanistan, war in Iraq, um, the Patriot Act. Uh, ramping up a lot of federal law enforcement. Also, we haven't had a terror attack since September 11, 2001, and therefore, the uh, the sum total of these things on net has been
1: good. Well, there are a lot of issues there, uh, but what I would say is, you know, putting aside for a moment some of the specifics, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, the Patriot Act, and so forth. Uh, we, we do need to give credit where it's due. Uh, Their, quite plausibly, government policy uh, has protected us to, to some degree. We've put great pressure on al-Qaeda's core leadership, made it hard for them to raise money, to communicate with each other, kept them on the run abroad. Uh, and drone strikes, for example, have made uh, being al-Qaeda's number three guy a very short-lived job, uh, and that's all to the good. But I'm skeptical that uh, some of the more controversial aspects of the so-called war on terror are responsible for what safety we've enjoyed. Uh, to give you one example, uh, a few years back when we had the controversy about the so-called terrorist surveillance program uh, that in which President Bush uh, ignored the uh, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance, surveillance Act and uh, waged a secret warrantless wiretapping program. Uh, well, during that controversy, they the administration came forward with like the what they considered the crown jewel of suspects that they'd rounded up as a result of warrantless wiretapping. And it was a guy named Iman Farris. Now, Iman Farris is a guy who was dumb enough to think that he could cut down the Brooklyn Bridge with a blowtorch. Uh, he is not... A 900 foot tall terrorist or even someone who seemed particularly competent. So I would say that some sensible government policies keeping pressure on al-Qaeda have likely made a difference, but uh, the uh, aggressive interpretation of executive authority and uh, weakening in the Fourth Amendment I don't think has been principally responsible for uh, the comparative safety we've enjoyed since 9-11.
0: The problem here then seems to be separating the good from the bad, and that's that's going to be a a problem going forward that is what policies worked and what didn't. All we know is that we've had this result and a whole lot of effort uh, in the direction of achieving this result. So picking out the good from the bad is... Is difficult.
1: It may be difficult, but one thing that we might want to look at is, was al-Qaeda ever a threat on the level that, that uh, some of the terror hawks described it as? Uh, and there's good evidence that the group was never an existential threat. Uh, in March 2005, for example, uh, ABC News got a hold of a, a secret 32-page memorandum for the FBI, that uh, an internal memorandum that suggested that one reason we hadn't rolled up a lot of al-Qaeda suspects after 9-11 is that they didn't seem to be in the country. Uh, The the report said, quote, U.S. government efforts to date have not revealed evidence of concealed cells or networks acting in the homeland as sleepers. Uh, So they may never have been here in force. Uh, and nothing that's come up since since that memo, since the, the, the that 2005 memo, nothing is, has come up that really should make us change that basic assessment. Uh, just last week, uh, the Rand Corporation published a study looking at homegrown Islamic terrorism in America since 9-11. And uh, they looked at 30, 32 plots. They said that most of them never got past the discussion stage, and most of the plots that did were stings in which the FBI provided fake bombs. Uh, The the report says that on their own, only two individuals actually attempted to build devices. Uh, One was arrested while doing so. The other's device failed, and the rest of them only talked about bombs. And and the report sums up, thus far, despite al-Qaeda's intensive online recruiting campaign— their numbers remain small their determination limp and their competence poor well there's always a danger when you point out that al-qaeda is not on the level and never was on the level of the soviet threat the nazi menace uh that it was never 800 feet tall uh there's always the danger that uh, people think you're sa- you're taking a what me worry attitude towards uh islamic terrorism uh and that's not the case. And, of course, we ought to take sensible measures to protect ourselves while recognizing that uh, in an open society of 300 million people, you can't uh, put a, uh, the, the, the homeland security equivalent of a bike helmet on, on everything. You cannot protect every potential target. Uh, so, the, But there, there is a danger in complacency, but it's not the only danger. There is also a danger... In overreaction uh, because we have taken this view of the al-Qaeda threat uh, that uh, at any moment hundreds of thousands of Americans could die uh, from an al-Qaeda attack. Because we've taken this view of the al-Qaeda threat, we've weakened the Fourth Amendment dramatically. We've spent uh, trillions of dollars in unnecessary wars and homeland security sus- spending at home. And we've created a cabinet-level agency uh, devoted to harassing travelers and groping preschoolers at the airport. There have been significant costs in terms of lost liberty and significant monetary costs uh, because of this exaggerated view of the Islamic terror threat uh, in America. And one of the things I I hope we can do uh, after 10 years is start reevaluating that threat and reevaluating which, if any of these measures, are still necessary.
0: Gene Healy is a vice president at the Cato Institute. You can read his weekly column in the Washington Examiner or at Cato.org.